0: You are listening to The Ben Keats Show, where every day the objective is simple. Ben will never stop fighting the fight and lighting the light on topics that affect you every day. Good afternoon, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, and all of you that would be an ex to somebody. Welcome to The Ben Keats Show. My name is Ben Keach, and we are going to have some fun today. There could be some laughter going to be some serious stuff, some personal stuff as the title of episode 23 is what's wrong with me and my exes. And yes, that's a plural statement. We'll get into that later. Uh, just a little tidbit before we get going too far, uh, the subscribers on YouTube are close to 500, so the So I appreciate all of you folks who have subscribed. That actually does make a difference. If you listen on Apple or Spotify, um, becoming a, a follower on that also helps out because then you get the notifications. You know when things are out, you don't have to wonder. So thank you, and I appreciate that. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this journey as we start episode 23 today on this lovely day in November in Kansas City. It's just kind of ironic that today of all days in my life, we happen to be talking about dating and relationships and me and exes. It's it's just it's such a crazy time. Um, I do want to, before I, one more little thing, if I can add before we get going, uh, I do want to thank one of our, um, sponsors just for this episode today. We have a sponsors it's HopeDealer.net. hope dealer.net hope Dealer. I appreciate the, the support and all the kind words and, uh, and, and just your, your generosity and, and all the support that you give for all those people seeking hope. So now on to the episode, what's wrong with me and what's wrong with my exes. So we've established as our last episode, we talked about divorce. We have established that I had a, um, a, a long marriage that ended and, Since then, and what happens a lot of times when that happens, lots of things happen after that happens, people delve into the dating world, which I have over the last four years. And you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about others. And so I'm going to kind of throw some general things out there, and then we'll get a little more specific as we move forward. So the first thing is that when I went into the the post, my post marriage life, I had one objective that was to find a wife. I wanted to get married. I wanted to get that part of my life settled. Uh, one of the things that divorce does to you is it kind of fractures many components of your life. So you may have less money. You may have a new house or even an apartment. You may be just kind of discombobulated in your mind about your, your own self things in your marriage tend to be even if the relationship isn't tend to be stable you have a house you know what you're pay- you're splitting you're paying the bills you have your children it's it's this is the life that you've established so when that fractures lots of things fracture and the one thing that i learned about my self was that i was ready to put the pieces back together again and i thought let's just let's start with the wife unfortunately there are other things going on in my life that were still needing to be put back together. And honestly, I needed to figure out some things about myself. Nevertheless, I embarked on this quest. And so the first thing in terms of what's wrong with me as I started into my kind of dating journey was I was, I thought I was certain about what I wanted, but there was just some things I had to figure out coming out of that world. I'll never forget my... Uh, my stepmom, Diane, she said to me, uh, really right after the divorce, she said, you know, you need to take maybe two years. I'm like, two years? Uh, Two minutes ago, I was ready. What are we talking? I was like, I only, I didn't know what to do with those two. What am I supposed to do? Like play cards? Like, I I don't know. That just confused me. And so I ignored her wise advice and just just proceeded forward. Now I don't regret proceeding forward, but there's a lot of things I had to learn about myself. And that's the, that's the whole deal with dating, especially when you're in, you know, after a first marriage, maybe you're in your thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, is there's just some, some reconstructing that has to go on. And I am very fortunate that throughout my last four years, I've had a lot of wise people come in and out and some stay in my life. Some of which are females, some of which are dated, and also other men who I was able to throw my thoughts and ideas, and they were were able to tell me, eh, you're off. That's dumb. That's good. And you just keep moving forward and you keep thinking about the steps that you need to take to be where you need to be. So that's kind of my, that's kind of where I started from. Now, in terms of my exes, obviously there's a whole host of different experiences I had with each one of them and any girl that I dated that was in a committed relationship, even to this day, regardless, there was definitely specific reasons why I decided to, to commit every single one of them. I still kind of treasure and care for her and the things that I happen. And, and X, sometimes we, we always look at it as it has to be this You know, if you're an ex, that means you're bad or you did something wrong or, you know, the fact that something didn't work has to be viewed in this negative light. I actually think that's the wrong way to look at dating. Ultimately, every single as far as I can tell, every single female that I dated. Had the right intentions, she wanted to find someone to eventually possibly marry, but. At the least, find someone that she can be in a long term relationship with and then, you know, see where it goes. And And that was that's all she was looking for, regardless of her, you know, whether her emotional availability or her um, like capacity to to whatever, to, to love, to handle certain things, whether she was healed, whether she wasn't all of those things are just whatever her intentions. Every single one of them, their intentions were good. And I appreciated that. And that's why many people who I have dated, I don't talk to all of them, obviously, but I talked to some and we've been able to maintain a, a friendship and a caring for each other, even if it didn't end up getting married. And I think that's the, that's the way that I think if we view dating as these are opportunities, we're going to see where they go. Maybe it ends up here. Maybe it doesn't. It's not good versus evil, bad versus wrong. People are just trying to figure it out, and sometimes one of the two people says it's not going to work out, and then you move on. And then what else are you supposed to do? Um, as long as you're not, you know, lying, cheating, and being a, a a bad person, you know, generally you should be able to part ways as friends, or at least part ways with respect. Uh, sometimes that happens, and sometimes that doesn't. So. The first question that I think is appropriate for anyone in this situation to ask yourself is like, what are we going, what are we trying to get out of the relationship? Why, why am I wanting to even be in a relationship? And so the answer that you see mostly on dating sites is they're looking for the one they're looking for a best friend. They're looking for that long term relationship. Okay, cool. I get that. Now think about in years past how that normally would happen. A lot of times it would be somebody that you went to school with or that you worked with or that you knew through a family friend. In essence, we knew and met people that we married through day-to-day interaction. And that day-to-day interaction, the intention wasn't to date. The intention wasn't to marry. I just happened to be in this person's life. And so we met. And there's such a, a healthy space to get to know someone in that way because you see their mannerisms, you find out if there's a connection and you're not worrying about, well, you know, on date three, this has to happen, or, you know, well, I've got 10 other people I'm talking to, so we better figure this out fast. There's no time pressure. You're just simply trying to get to know the person and that's good. In the the dating app world, in the world we live in now, it's a little bit different because there's a plethora of men and women at your disposal. To, or to see if they're attractive, to see how you communicate, to go on a first date, second date. But, you know, we got to figure this out because I've got people lined up behind you. And 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 then once physical, the physical part of the relationship happens, now it's going to get even more confusing. And now there's more pressure on the time we're trying to microwave relationships. We're trying to we're trying to put these ingredients in and and, you know, abracadabra, turn it into something And I'll tell you what, if anybody's guilty of this, it's me. I have made a consistent mistake in some of my relationships of moving too fast, of seeing eight things are good and these eight things are important. And so these are the things that should happen as I try to get to this goal. And so what's happened in that is I haven't given enough time for them to really get to know me, for me to really get to know them. And then ultimately... When you have the end in mind too early, now you have the pressure of trying to figure out, well, we have to do this, now we have to do this. And it can become overwhelming. And I have, you know, had to learn this lesson a couple of times the hard way. And it's just, it's a part of learning. It's a part of life. And and with relationships is timing can be everything. You know, when you go back to how we did relationships before, you know, you meet someone in school and you sit with them in a the class all semester and you talk to them. Like, no, you're not dating, but you are developing a trust and a comfort level with that person. Even if you never go out to McDonald's to buy a milkshake together, like these things are this is there's there's something really good about that. And I think that if we could adjust something about I was just talking to a friend of mine, if we can adjust something about the way we date on dating apps, it's just putting certain boundaries and disciplines in place about the physical activity about timing and space and about just, Hey, how about, you know, one date every week or two, like, it doesn't have to be rush. I have no expectations of what you do. Just let me get to know you. It's all I want to do. Let me get to know you. Maybe we move forward. Maybe I can see, Oh, you're a really nice person, but this isn't going to be that person. Okay. Well, I mean, you can always call an audible and go the other way, but that's, that would be a, a healthy way to where, um, because I wonder sometimes, I, I I don't know this for certain. I'm I'm not smart enough, but I even wonder in some of my situations. Had I been wiser about my timing, had I gone about things a different way, would it be a different result? I don't know. Um, I but you, I wonder, you know. And it's just so. That's why we're talking about this today. Is what's wrong with me? This part of it. What's wrong with my exes? We're gonna get into that a little bit more detail next. So. Let's look at, um, actually, let me ask one more question first. So when we look at our goals, friendship, marriage, dating, taking it slow, going, whatever our goals are, why we're on the dating site, why we're wanting to meet people. The, the, the thing that you have to analyze about yourself is how do your fears affect your goals? So, for instance, when we talk about a, a fear, what's happened to you in the past? When somebody has said, A, I saw this before. Now, a new person can say the same thing, but that doesn't mean it's going to be the same result. But our fears come in, and and our fears can drive us to act in ways that aren't becoming, can act in ways that aren't even a a good representation of ourselves. And I know some of my fears. I think we all have them. I, you know, on a side note, love the Enneagram, and, and what the Enneagram does is really examine um core fears and motivations for people and you can kind of understand sometimes why people act in certain ways if you understand their fears and especially if they understand their fears and i have i have noticed in people i've dated and i've noticed in myself how particular fears have impacted the relationship and i'm telling you in drastic ways like some of those beautiful wonderful people that I have ever met in my entire life, but those fears, and I'm i am including mine as well, I'm including things that cause me hesitation, that cause me concern. Those fears may be accurate. <laughs> we may be onto something. It's not that we ignore our fears, but we better understand them and then look at how we react from those fears that, that all has to make sense, and we have to be able to discuss and articulate what's actually going on with us in this way. If we simply act, and we're acting based on our fears, but we can't identify that, we can't connect the dots, and we're not going to be able to communicate accurately to our partner what's going on. And so to them, it's just going to seem chaotic. To them, it's going to seem like you're a super unhealthy person, because you are. The, a healthy individual knows and understands their fears and how to articulate it in a way that's not wanting to make the other person on defense, but simply trying to explain, hey, this is what's going on with me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work through it. And and I and I. That's an interesting thing that I've simply observed over the last four years and, and lots of different people, including myself. OK, so with fears, I thought it was kind of a good little segue because a, a big buzzword today in relationship circles are attachment cycles, um, how uh, attachment styles, how we are attached in healthy ways, how we're attached in unhealthy ways. And so we're going to kind of look at that first and 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 kind of, ex- I'm going to examine myself a little bit and then kind of go into some of the things that I've seen. The And by the way, just so we're Kind of have a good common reference here. An attachment style is basically, first of all, it's something that can be adjusted. It's not a permanent label on you. It's also something that directly relates to how we were attached to our parents. And so if our parents, let's say, um, were super busy with work and, you know, didn't give us a lot of we needed stuff and they kind of like, you know, didn't give us a lot of time or attention in certain ways, that could affect how we then relate with who we date and who we marry. Um, and so we know there's no perfect parent, but the attachment style is, there's a direct correlation to our, our upbringing. Okay, so let's look at this. So the first attachment style is secure. And so a secure person is gonna be basically, um, they're probably not gonna have a lot of jealous tendencies. Um, they're gonna have the ability to regulate their emotions. Um, They're going to trust people easily. It's not going to be a big deal to trust people unless they prove that something's wrong. Uh, They're going to be an effective communicator uh, about themselves, what they feel, what they think. Uh, They're going to be comfortable being alone. um, And they have the capacity to be in close relationships. Um, I mean, there's other things. They're usually easy people to connect with. They usually have a high self-esteem. They're emotionally available. So these are some of the things that Um, a a person with a secure attachment style would exhibit. Now, again, I could have listed off those things. You could say, I think I'm five of those. Maybe these two, not so much. All of that's normal. Look at this whole part of the podcast today as just look at it as a continuum and just kind of an evaluation because I can see my strengths and weaknesses coming out in all of these. And we're not going to talk about the disorganized attachment style. So the next two are avoidant and anxious, now, avoidant, we tend to see more men in this category. Anxious, we tend to see more women in this category. But that's not a, a set-in-stone deal, okay? So, with with, with ah, so, as I get tongue-tied here, I'm just avoiding what the next thing I'm supposed to say. With avoidant, what a lot of times we do is we see parents that were busy, parents that kind of seemed or were uninterested, Um so then, what happens is you may avoid emotional and physical intimacy. That may be a difficult thing before you, because you didn't really necessarily have that growing up. You may have a really strong sense of independence. Could be healthy. Could not be healthy. Just depends. Uh, you're very uncomfortable expressing your feelings. Uh, you can be very dismissive of others at times and and their feelings. Uh, I have I have been guilty of that before. Uh, That's something that I've, I've, especially as I've learned the masculine feminine things for me to be in my proper place as a, as a masculine man in a relationship, it comes with listening and understanding. Um, And also usually people are avoiding, have a difficult time trusting. Um, An anxious person is going to have a fear of rejection, a fear of abandonment. You can kind of see how this could play out as they were growing up as well. Um, They're going to depend on their partner for validation um, and even emotional regulation. When they get off, they're going to need them to to get them right, to fix them, which, as you can see, what this leads to is is, could be a codependent relationship. So I found myself in this situation a couple of times. um, It takes two to tango. So you have um, like just like when you propose to somebody, one person asks a question, the other person gives an answer. So it takes two. I um, just in case you are curious on that one with with this with the emotional like with with how this works in a codependent situation you have some you have one that's willing to to take on that, and you have one that's wanting to give that, but they're gonna be unhealthiness both ways he may be doing too much if it's a man, she may be relying on him too much, and then when one of them fails, we have chaos um Obviously a couple of the characteristics that we might see with children and growing up, if you're a parent of a young child where the parent kind of makes like when they're off, they make you feel responsible for that. So they put their emotions and their stresses and their issues too much on a child, which is a burden to them. Um, the, there, you could have parents that are just easily overwhelmed in a lot of different ways. Uh, they may give you their attention, but then pull it away in, in ways that don't make sense. Um, all leading to different levels of codependency. So I, I, I say, I say all these things because in dating, these are good. This is good verbiage to have. This is, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody is not going to be an ex because again, an ex isn't bad. If, if there's respect and ultimately a friendship that was built in the beginning, which is obviously good. I've, that lots of people have been divorced that still get along great with their husbands and they have a good, trusting, respectful relationship and some not so much. As we move to the parenting advice of the show today, episode 23, holy cow. The parenting advice of the show is I want you to think about your let's let's kind of focus on teenagers for a second or anybody for that matter. Myself, you have gut, heart, head. Now take those three instincts And let's put them in a dating situation. So what happens a lot of times when people start dating, their heart is leading the way they feel this, they're, they're, you know, they're feeling all the beginning stages of love and, and how they're connecting with the person. Their mind isn't necessarily always activated as much. Um, especially when we make mistakes. Especially what I do. This is a, I, it may not be everybody's mistake, but I leave my brain. I leave my brain at the door. Now, not my brain in terms of. Well, I'll tell you in a second. And I trust my gut, so I'm listening, learning, observing. My heart's like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, this is this, okay. And then as time goes on, my brain start make. Cl- cl- I may start actually using it a little bit more and saying, you know what, I, I think this. I think this um, makes more sense. This part doesn't necessarily make sense. We probably need to talk about this. And the idea on my parenting advice is use all three senses. Listen to your gut. Allow your heart to be alive. Don't, Don't blacken it up so you have this black heart where you're only in your head all the time. All three need to be activated. When you slowly but surely decide that you like someone you want to start dating them and, and, and further. Um, the song today, um, now, now just so you know, I, I, you know, I've dated a number of people I've sent, I've sent, I've sent girls songs like, like more than one, like some people I've sent a couple songs to some people I've sent more than 50 songs to it. I, I like music. I've even sent songs to my brother. Um, nevertheless, I digress the song today. I'm sending equally out to all people. And it's a Taylor Swift song. I mean, you know, tis the season called forever and always, which is such an interesting title. Right. And so the, the lesson of this song, and it's a, you know, it's a good, it's an all right song. It's a, fine. It's not my favorite song by Taylor Swift, but it's okay. We don't have to go down that today is that in my lesson learned is that our words have power and we have to be super wise when we say, Anything that we say. So if, if I feel like saying some big statement, wait a week, wait a couple of weeks, allow the process of getting to know someone happen without the context of strong words, strong phrases, anything like that. And I think there's a message in that song that talks about that because that's what she's ultimately saying is that you said it was going to be forever and always, and it's not. And so be wise be smart. I, I am learning. That's, it's kind of funny. The whole idea of having a podcast allows me to reflect even more on my shortcomings, my life, and ultimately really what can help other people and that, which is why I'm doing this. Um, so, uh, I hope this matters there's going to be a part two to this, this episode, what's wrong with me and my exes. So got to wait a week for it. That's how this works. I can't wait to talk and see you guys next time. Again, remember, subscribe. We love all you Hope Dealers, Hope Feelers, all the people that believe in hope. That's an inside joke. Cheers. Have a nice day. Thank you so much for listening. Let's keep the conversation going. You can reach out on Ben's website, www.benkeetshow.com, or on social media to chat. And please remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode.